Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, welcome to Sealed Section. I'm Chantelle Otten, your sexual fairy godmother, here to help you on your journey. This week, we're talking about sexuality and identity. Lots of people don't like labeling their sexuality, which is fine. But for lots of other people, it's freeing and affirming to have a label. Today, we're going to talk all about what sexual identity is, what romantic attraction is, and the different types of sexual orientations that you might have heard of before. When we talk about sexual identity, you probably think, who do I want to have sex with? Who am I sexually attracted to? Am I also romantically attracted to them? Right now, we're going to talk more about sexual and romantic attraction. Sexual orientation is a term that is used to define who you're attracted to and how you're attracted to them. During your teenage years, you might have started developing an increase in sexual feelings. Noticing people that you thought were cute or had great energy, you wanted to be around them more often. Or maybe you started feeling a little horny around them, getting aroused. Maybe you got wet in your undies or maybe you got an erection. You started having sexual thoughts and attraction towards them Or maybe you started getting romantic thoughts and attractions towards them. I'm going to define the difference between the two. Sexual attraction is about who we desire for sexual play and sexual relationships. Romantic attraction is who we desire for love and emotional relationships. These sound similar, but they're not actually the same. They can definitely coexist. For example, you might feel sexual and romantic attraction towards a partner, but they can also be separate. So you might feel sexual attraction towards someone that you don't know, like a celebrity, but you wouldn't want to be in a relationship with them or they might be a bit out of reach. So you're not romantically attracted to them. You just desire them. You can also romantically desire someone and think about loving them, but not feel sexually attracted to them. I hope you're not too confused, but there's a lot going on when it comes to attraction. And I wanted to talk a little bit more about types of attraction first and foremost. So as I said before, there's romantic attraction, which is desiring a romantic relationship with someone. There's also aesthetic attraction, where you're attracted to someone based on how they look. That's pretty common. And there's also sensual and physical attraction, where you're wanting to touch, hold, or cuddle someone, be close to them physically and sensually. 
There's platonic attraction where you want to be friends with someone. You know, I feel this quite often on social media too, where you see people on there and you think, God, I want to be friends with that person. It's going to be great to be friends with them. So you're platonically attracted to them. There's also emotional attraction where you want an emotional connection with someone. And look, attraction at its core is about how you desire to be with someone. But we should also talk a little bit more about sexual orientations too. So this is the kind of person that you're sexually desiring, that you're sexually attracted to. So you might have heard of the word heterosexual. Heterosexual is being attracted to someone of the opposite gender. It's also called straight. So if I identify as a female and I'm attracted to someone who identifies as a male, then I would be considered heterosexual. There's also lesbian, so a person who is sexually or romantically attracted to other women, if they are also labelled as a woman. There's gay, so attracted to someone of the same gender. A lesbian could also call themselves gay. There's bisexual, where you're attracted to both binary genders. So binary meaning the labels of female and male. And then there's queer. Queer used to be an offensive slur and may be offensive to some people. However, a lot of people have really reclaimed this word and taken power in it and used it with pride to identify themselves. And queer can refer to a variety of sexual identities and gender identities that are outside of straight and cisgender. There's also pansexual, so that's attraction towards someone regardless of their sex and gender identity. There's questioning. A lot of people are questioning. I'm not sure what my sexual orientation or gender identity is. And then there's demisexual, which is not really experiencing primary sexual attraction to someone, but secondary sexual attraction. So after a close emotional connection with someone, then they start feeling sexual towards them. So they might not even like them that much beforehand, but after getting to know their personality and being emotionally attracted, then they start to feel sexual attraction towards them. There's asexual, which is where you don't feel sexual attraction to anyone. And then there's gray A, someone who feels like their sexuality falls somewhere on the spectrum of sexuality between asexual and sexual. Now, I know this is a bit of a list to remember, but... These are all just labels. There are many other terms too. And what's tricky about these terms is they require you to have an idea of your own sex and gender in relation to those you're attracted with. If you're not sure about your sex or gender, there's a few things that you can do to look at sexuality and define attraction in terms of desiring a level of femininity or masculinity in another person. So there's such a label as androsexual, which is where you're attracted to someone because they are masculine and have masculine traits, or gynosexual, where you're attracted to someone because they are femme and have feminine traits, or scoliosexual, where you're attracted to someone who is genderqueer or androgynous. And even though we have all of these different attractions, note that attractions don't necessarily define or predict the behavior that we will show to the world. You know, you could always be talking to me and assuming that I was heterosexual because my partner is a cisgendered man, but you can't really be sure, right? You never really asked me. 
So this is important. It's polite to ask people what their orientation is rather than assuming it. And you can't know someone's orientation based on their behavior. This also means that you cannot assume what type of relationship or behaviors a person will engage in just because you know how they identify. I was about 15, 16 when I came out and how I came out was I came out to friends first but when I came out to my parents it really wasn't me coming out. I went out and spoke to the guidance counsellor and I said that I had slept with someone that was 19 and she put me as a child at risk and said that she was going to tell my parents and I asked her that this wasn't her story to tell and at least give me a day to be able to tell my parents before having that conversation with them. And she said she would think about it. And then that afternoon I got home. I remember my parents calling me into the room saying they needed to speak to me and my heart just sunk because I knew something had happened and my mum asked me if I was gay and at first I said no because obviously she was crying, my dad was quiet and at that stage I don't think I was ready to come out and then they told me what had happened with the guidance counsellor and I remember at first saying I just made it up and then I in the end just internally thought now's your chance to just get it out on the table. So I turned around and I said, yes, it is true. I am gay, I like guys. My mum asked me if I was sure. Um, and I said, yes, I don't look at girls the same way. And I remember my mum asking me, well, how do you know if you've never done anything with a woman? And I said, how do you know you're heterosexual if you've never had experiences with a woman? And then she went, oh, you're right. Now they're fine with it. They're very supportive, but I think it was a shock at that stage. You might've heard of the following acronym before, LGBTQIA+. This is an acronym that is used to refer to a few different sexual identity groups as a whole, and it creates a community to show that sexual identity is broad and diverse, yet personal and individualized. LGBTQIA stands for the following. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer or questioning, intersex, asexual and the plus stands for all of those who still stand under the umbrella but are outside of these narratives. At the end of the day, sexuality is fluid and if you're questioning where you're at, that's totally okay. You're not alone and it's important to connect with people in the LGBTQIA community so that you can have some support along your journey. You don't have to conform to a gender or sexuality that doesn't suit you and no one has the right to tell you what your gender or sexuality is. Now, I think it's a good time to get into some questions because we got sent a few really great ones and I'm looking forward to going over them with you. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move, and we drop new workouts every single week. 
If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. So for our first question today, I have, what is asexual and what does it look like? How can asexual people have long-term relationships with a non-asexual partner? Oh my God, such a good question. I invite you to be very curious and open-minded while I'm discussing this. For those who are asexual, they might not have sexual attraction towards people, but that doesn't mean they don't have romantic attraction towards people. They feel attraction in other ways. They might find someone that they feel is emotionally compatible for them or aesthetically compatible for them. They might feel like they can be very close to them and desire having physical intimacy that's non-sexual. But they can still also have a good sex life. They just don't desire it. So there are lots of people who are asexual who are in long-term relationships with a romantic partner who still have sex because they do it for the partner or for the relationship. And that's their prerogative. They're allowed to do that. It's their choice. And they can have satisfying sex. They can have orgasms. They can have a really great time in there. But they're just not sexually attracted to anyone. Does that make sense? Whilst they don't have sexual attraction towards someone doesn't mean that they can't have a healthy, satisfying, pleasurable sex life with a long-term romantic partner. All right, for our second question today, we have a really interesting one. It's complex, it's layered, but it doesn't have to be. I hope that I can explain it in a really easy way for you. I identify as bisexual, but I've never found myself physically attracted to guys. I've had sex with a few and enjoy a good cock up my ass as well as giving blowjobs, but I'm just not excited by anything male, such as abs or muscles, apart from their cock. I do, however, find myself highly attracted to trans people, male to female in particular. Now, it could simply be a result of societal influence and my life journey. Some of the first porn I was exposed to was a mag with quite a lot of anal. But many people I talk to about my attraction result in it being labelled a fetish. And I have been labelled a chaser by transgender people. That meaning I'm chasing a fetish without actually being interested in the person. I heavily disagree with those perceptions, and I think all people are well aware of what physical characteristics they want in a partner. A hetero male is not interested in a penis no matter what the person looks like, thus I don't see my desire to meet a partner with a female appearance but with a penis rather than a vagina being outside the standard. Oh, it's complex. The important parts like compatibility and shared interests, trust, love, these are all, of course, far more important. But those physical characteristics play for me an important role in physical attraction. Okay, so this is such a complex question. And look, I don't want to discredit what other people have said. You know, if trans people have said that they feel like it's a fetish, I want you to also just take a moment and try and understand where they're coming from because they have valid reasons for saying that to you because they're concerned in a certain way or, you know, they obviously want to educate you. So I invite you to be open-minded and curious 
Again, I don't think that there has to be a label on this. I do think that it sounds like you are more gynosexual. So you're attracted to someone because they are femme and have feminine traits, but you like the genitalia as well of someone who is a bit more masculine. Does that make sense? I think that when it comes to who you're sexually attracted to, you have to remember that sexuality is a spectrum. It's colorful. It's not binary. It's not about having yes or no, male or female. You know, there are so many genders you can be attracted to and there's so many different types of attraction you can have to people. And if you are attracted to non-binary people, then that's absolutely okay. What I would suggest is that you stop trying to put a label on it and just embrace the fact that you have this pull towards a certain type of person and a certain type of genitalia and you enjoy what you enjoy. You don't have to put a label on it or over explain it to anyone. You can just say it is what it is. I think that labels can be dangerous in this sense because it leaves people feeling confused and it can also make people feel isolated. And to me, it sounds like you are feeling kind of isolated, like you're alone in your sexual capacity and your sexual attraction. So try and be a little bit more open-minded and a little bit more curious and just go with the flow. I mean... Life is long. You don't know where your sexual attraction is going to take you in the future. You might feel different in a couple of years' time. So just be kind to yourself and go gently. And, of course, be respectful and open-minded to other people's opinions and thoughts. So my story's a little different because I actually had no idea that I was gay. I was 23, 24-ish and had never slept with a man and I was starting to think that there was something wrong with me because all my friends did and I'd kissed boys before but just could never take it to that next level. So one day I just thought, fuck it, I'm going to change my preferences to include females as well and see where it takes me. I ended up chatting to this really lovely girl and we decided to meet up and on the train I was like, this poor lesbian, like I'm leading her on, I'm not even gay, this is crazy. And then about halfway through the date I went to the bathroom and was like psyching myself up to go back and kiss her and I'd never made the first move on anyone so I was shitting myself. And so I came back and sat down at the table and she was like, I really want to kiss you. And I was like, oh my God, same. I was just thinking the same thing in the bathroom. And we kissed and the only way I can describe it is fireworks. And it just felt really right. And I wanted it to lead to sex. And now I only date women and have a girlfriend of one and a half years and I'm absolutely loving life. So we have another great question in, and that is, what is the difference between gender identity and sexual identity? Obviously, some are obvious, but is something like being intersex someone's gender or sexuality? Well, it shouldn't be complex, but it is a little bit complex. It shouldn't be complex because we should have learned about all of this in school. We should have learned about this in sex ed, but we didn't. What intersex is, is actually more of an assigned sex. So when I talk about sex or assigned sex, I'm not talking about rompy-pompy. I'm talking about when a baby is born and they are assigned a sex, a label, such as male or female. Their sex is usually determined by their body parts, specifically their genitalia. So when a baby comes out and you see a vulva, they label it as a female. When a baby comes out and you see a penis... 
They usually label it as a male. If a baby comes out with a mix of vulva and penis, then they can be labelled as intersex. But, of course, being intersex is much more complex than that, actually, because there are a few basic determinants of sex, and that's chromosomes, hormones, primary sex characteristics, and secondary sex characteristics. So you might look, for example, like a typical labelled assigned sex female on the outside, but inside you might have testicles or... A prostate, and that means that you could be assigned or labeled as intersex. So it's a little bit different to gender identity and sexual identity. It is more about the sex that you are labeled as, which just makes it a bit easier for doctors to be able to help you as you grow up and go through different life stages and, you know, develop as a human being. A lot of people don't actually know that they are intersex. Being intersex is as common as being a redhead, so it's pretty common. But a lot of people don't realize until maybe they're in their fertile years and they're trying for a baby and they figure out that they're unfertile because inside they actually don't have ovaries or a uterus. They might have testicles instead. So when thinking about this topic, you have to remember that there are lots of people out there with different types of bodies to us and it's not uncommon it's not weird it's just life and that's what we label as assigned sex now when we talk about gender it's a great idea for us to have a proper understanding of what gender is so that we can spread a good message of acceptance and also make the world a safer place to be ourselves. Unfortunately, in the past, you know, we've had a lot of common narratives about what's normal and what's not normal. And that's led a lot of people to feel ostracized and lonely. And they might have also been targeted by certain groups and bullied or attacked or violated. And what I want to do when we talk about gender is actually ask everyone to be more open-minded and accepting and loving. You know, at the end of the day, we're all just fucking human beings. What it comes down to is just being a human being. And when I think about people bullying others, especially because of their gender, especially because of their assigned sex or race or ability or disability, it just makes me feel quite ill It makes me feel sick. Why can we not be more accepting and make this world a safer place to just be ourselves? So when we talk about gender, it is different to assign sex. Gender is something that happens in your brain, not in your genitals or hormones or chromosomes. Gender is a feeling. It's a sense of how you feel you are. It's about your perception, your inner sense of who you are and how you want to interact with this world. Gender is developed by the age of four. By the age of four, we start to develop a solid understanding of who we are and our gender identity. We're analyzing the world around us. We're absorbing it. And to have a healthy development socially and emotionally, young people need to feel a sense of empathy and acceptance of diversity. And what I mean by that is young people need to see that the scope of sexuality and gender has changed. That includes seeing the non-conforming gender and sexual identity of other young people, friends, parents, and anyone in the general public. And the reason why we also need to open this conversation a lot earlier 
is because of the idea in society that the notions of sex and gender are binary. They put people into a box and they're such narrow definitions. We all know that sex and gender aren't black and white. Gender is hugely colourful. So gender can actually be broken down into three categories. Gender roles, so the behaviours, values and attitudes that society considers appropriate for your perceived sex. So maybe if you look feminine, people might say, oh, you're pretty or you're shy or you're you know, helpful or emotional. And if you look masculine, they might say, oh, you're brave, you're strong, you're the breadwinner, you're loud and you're tough. So these are gender stereotypes of the gender roles that you have. That's what we're typically thinking that someone should be. And they're really harmful because, of course, you can be whoever you want to be in your gender role. There's also gender identity, which is how you experience your own gender, and gender expression, which is how you publicly express and present your gender. For example, your outwards appearance and behavior, the way you dress, your body language and your voice. What I think is important moving forward is that we actually break a lot of notions around gender stereotypes because they're harmful. They don't allow for individuality and expression. And challenging and breaking stereotypes is a really positive thing. It makes those who identify as a male feel they are allowed to cry or be sensitive, things that they were typically told they weren't really meant to be doing in the past. And we've heard these notions of be a man, man up, and those things are silly. They're outdated. You know, it also allows those who identify as women to feel like they can be independent and bold. And challenging stereotypes allows us all to live our best lives and for us to be ourselves rather than what society wants us to be. So I hope that's helped answer your question a little bit. I know it is a bit layered and a bit complex, but what I would suggest is doing a little bit more research for yourself and really diving into these topics so that you have a very thorough understanding of what the differences are. Thank you so much for listening to Sealed Section. Next week is a cheeky episode. We're talking about foreplay and outer cause and all things fun in the bedroom. And the questions are great. If you want to get in touch with me, you can email podcast at mamamia.com.au, leave a message on our pod phone at 028999386 or at me at Chantel underscore Otten underscore sexologist. This podcast was produced by Emmeline Peterson. See you next time. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.